everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. We're really excited today. I'm here to do another one of our Hall Star interviews where we're talking with some Hallmark talent. And uh, we're excited to have actor Will Kemp on the podcast today. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner. And Will, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be joining you. And I'm very excited to talk to you and to uh, get in touch and reach out to the Hallmarky crowd. Yes, it's so exciting. Uh, we haven't had that many uh, interviews from uh, people abroad, so this is this is one of the first. Well, let's hope it works. <laughs> yeah, let's do. <laughs> so, how have you been handling uh, this crazy time of quarantine? Have you been a? Uh, uh, it's been fun for you, or? Are you, are, yeah, you it. It really is a crazy time, isn't it? So. This is day 101 for me, kind of on this new life of lockdown. Um, So, yeah, I guess the same as a lot of people, lots of ups and lots of downs, a lot of adjustments. I mean, I'd just come back from Los Angeles and um, had been celebrating the premiere um, of uh, Spinning Out on Netflix and celebrating the Golden Globes and things in Los Angeles. And I came home for a few weeks and... Then I started uh, to get a lot of uh, COVID-19 symptoms, pretty much all of them. So I was then isolated at home, shut into a room um, for a good week, two weeks. Um, So my wife and uh, I have a 13-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy. Um, So I was sort of very quickly isolated at home. We were on lockdown pretty much I didn't leave the house for six weeks which was probably the first in my lifetime it's pretty pretty strange thing um so it's pretty ill in the beginning um I've had a test since and I have the antibodies according to the tests but uh, nobody really knows how reliable those tests are um but yeah it's definitely been a period of adjustment but actually it's been it's been really um actually quite a special time to spend time with my family um, and I've taken quite a, I guess you might think of it as a holistic approach um, and and just getting in um, the groove with the online schooling, of course, for children here in the UK. Um, so my kids have gone back to school via computers, um, which is interesting to have that um, sort of in your house uh so i suddenly became the printer boy the lunch lady the <laughs> class rep the was yeah it was quite funny and also just coping with children at this time also i mean they certainly have a period of adjustment too mm-hmm. and so particularly to have a teenager who's oh excuse me i'm coming from home and that's my front doorbell um my son okay. hopefully will grab that see this is real life this is yeah what, that's right this is what lockdown <laughs> is like the good old professional times of actually going into a studio to do an interview um have changed and that's also my dog my little elvis um so welcome to the crazy kemp household everybody yes love um, it love but, it but 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 just to quickly sum up, I think that it's brought us all together as a family. We've been through a lot of having to talk things through um, and support each other. Um, it was a shock for me, definitely in the beginning. I was very resistant and worried about work and all of paying the bills and just the very practical aspects. And then you just have to like lean into it. And I've, I've been through everything of just chilling and I've actually quite enjoyed it. It turns out that I actually am quite a 
reclusive kind of character anyway. Um, yeah. As social as I am as well, I also enjoy just time by myself. So I've actually yeah. often cherished that, nope, sorry, we're on lockdown, can't come over, can't see you. Right. Type yeah. of attitude. Have but you we're got... all good. Mm. So are you feeling better? Absolutely. So my wife and I have just completed this, um, uh, the medical, the medical, I'm sorry, mediums, uh, three, six, nine cleanse, which has been fantastic, which is very intense. Um, but it's been, it's been a great way to get back into the sort of new phase, which I call getting back to work, which is Mm -hmm. where I want to be desperately. So I need to get my mind and my body and everything in focus yeah. to be able to do that have you gotten um, a, a little bit stir crazy even though it's been a, a good thing have you, sure yeah. definitely <laughs> yeah i mean definitely uh, it's yeah it's 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 weird isn't it because you're locked in alone i mean there's four of us and plus the dog and it's weird how you still crave your own time you still, still yeah. crave time alone yeah yeah um and yeah we've certainly been through ups and downs but i think um we support each other and and I think that it's important to just not pressurize yourself or so you don't need to be writing a book learning a language it's there's there's no pressure but also it is a great opportunity I've had a lot of chats with people creating projects and wanting Mm -hmm. to write scripts and um, so I think it's a great time of uh, creativity and sort of a time for people to ponder and um, really work out what it is they want to do yeah i think the biggest the biggest um shame here in the uk is that hear me is that the great uk tradition of theater is desperately under threat right so for the companies and the great theaters that i've been lucky enough to perform in over the years are really really under threat and i think that our government at the moment isn't prioritizing some kind of we're a rescue package or some kind of way in which whether it's dance, opera, plays, music, we desperately need help in and getting a plan into mm. how that can come back. And I'm, and I am, that's my biggest concern. And I'm, and I'm very proud to be a part of that community. Um, and I genuinely am frightened that, that theaters mm. are having to close. People are being made, redundant um and that's very sad and i i I can't quite see the outcome as a positive one at this point which is yeah i know i'm really worried about that too here uh Uh we we actually have where i live we have a thriving local theater scene uh there's a there's one in almost every town a local theater and uh i'm definitely worried concerned because uh the arts are really important to me so yeah. Well, they should be. I mean, I think that people are realizing that what's been keeping us going kind of in our homes is the ability to watch shows and entertainment, whether it's Netflix or on Amazon. Yeah. Hallmark is a wonderful example because people are using it as a way to get their entertainment. And I think that a lot of people forget. And there was a great speech and a great kind of article by the director Sam Mendes recently that said remember where that talent comes from particularly UK talent comes from the theatre the majority Mm -hmm. of and in fact that's true of a lot of actors and I think that it's important for people to understand that yes they are able to watch us 
you know, performing great things like Hallmark shows and Netflix and all these things. But, but where we come from, uh, the directors, the actors, everyone re re really relies on being able to go back to do things live, to do things in the theatre. And if there was a possibility of larger companies that are producing the work now for people to enjoy, to be able to realize the profits they have had out of this time and to somehow put it back into the theater would be amazing. Yeah. So I know I, that Sam's been talking about that. I, I had no idea about the logistics, but I just think from what I read and from what he said, what a wonderful idea. Yeah, I'm especially worried about Broadway. Uh, yes. if, if Broadway doesn't open this whole year, I, uh, I just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a I mean, that's a wonderful example, Broadway. And I've been lucky to perform there and have fr uh, friends perform there all the time. It's, it's, it's a massive source of income for tourism revenue job opportunities and yeah it's 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 the london west end broadway all of these places are going to be hit and have been hit tragically yeah we need it yeah so so uh, you you got your start uh, at least according to imdb in dance mm. is that right absolutely i was classically trained at the royal ballet school here in london uh, previous to that i began when I was nine years old um, in a tap dancing class in Watford, which is in Hertfordshire, which is near Kings Langley, where I was brought up um, wow. with Elizabeth Harrison, who is uh, currently my godmother um, uh, and a very dear friend who saw me through all sorts of uh, classes from the ages of nine until I um, transitioned and got through to the Royal Ballet School, left home at just turning 16. Wow. Um, moved to uh, Bonds in London, went to the Royal Ballet School for two years um, and then landed a job with Matthew Bourne's company, which was called Adventures in Motion Pictures at the time, which is now called New Adventures. Um, and we created what is now very well known and uh, worldwide award winning production, Swan Lake. Um, um, and then I was in Los Angeles performing a production of The Carman, um, and September the 11th happened. Um, oh, wow. And uh, it had a massive impact on us as a company at the time because we were all stuck out in Los Angeles. We were a company from the UK, a long way from home, and the world around us in the US was changing due to that event. And I, it struck me very personally because I felt that life can be so short. And I had been approached by agents and people and I had representation. And I always knew I wanted to transition to acting. I had trained as an actor to inform the work that we were producing as a company, as a dance company. Um, and I just felt, you know what, now's the time. I'm just going to go out. I did a bunch of auditions. I landed a movie job which is fantastic. And, and I uh, sort of went from there and that so, was my tr transition. Do you remember as a kid, what got you interested in taking that tap dancing class? Definitely. I, I, um, I guess I, I was a bit of a, a contradiction of a, 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 as a child because I, on the one hand was incredibly shy, but on the other hand was also a big show off. 
Mm. Um, so I loved to be the joker in the class and to make people laugh and was somewhat of an extrovert, but I also had quite a bad speech impediment. So as a child, I found it very difficult to communicate with words, which is kind of ironic that I'm an actor now. Um, but it's certainly still a part of my life, but it's what made me, um, I think, gravitate towards expression through my body. And it was my mother who introduced me to her teacher, Elizabeth Harrison. Um, and I think it was sort of her sort of intuition as maybe this might be a form of discipline and enjoyment and expression. Mm -hmm. So I began when I was nine um, and I did a tap dancing class with a group of boys. There were 15 of us, I think, or 11 or 15 of us when I began. And when I left the school, it, it was called the Star School of Dance and Drama. And it was in Watford. When I left, I was the only boy, mm -hmm. sadly. Um, but that's, that's really, I guess, my sort of introduction to dance at the age of nine. But it saved me. And it, it's very interesting, actually. Having a 13-year-old now, I find myself, and I have to uh, sort of curb this a little bit, because it, it, it frustrates me somewhat that I knew by the age of 13 what I wanted to do. I found it. I found a form of expression. I was in love with the hard work, I was in love with the process. I knew that if I put in the sweat and tears, then I, then I would get something out of it. And it, it kept me away from all the sort of extraneous activities at school. I wasn't allowed to hang out down the village with all the mates smoking pot and sort of hanging out because right. I was going to dance class because that was my passion. Um, so I, somewhat as a parent find it difficult that the world's changed also and also my kids are technically getting a better education than I had but it but it, but I was gifted with knowing what I wanted to do very early on yeah yeah I was a pretty motivated kid as well I I, I maybe not a specific career path but I uh, I wasn't somebody who I, I I had a hard time empathizing when I was in college people that like couldn't decide on a major because that just was not me at all i was just like i i know i figured out what i liked and i and i decided first semester and then i was going and and uh and so i don't know people that really struggle with that it was hard for me to kind of empathize with them sometimes so I yeah no definitely understand that so how long have you been doing this great podcast so this podcast has been on since 2017 so wow, yeah. that's great. That's yeah, great. and I've been uh, a blogger and a uh, a uh, podcaster uh, slash YouTuber since uh, since really about two thousand and eight in some form or another. So yeah, it's just kind of evolved, uh, but I love doing it. It's really fun, and it's really great to get to talk to cool people. And and uh, one thing I wondered is ha have have uh, do you find yourself missing dance or do, or do you feel like acting has, has creatively fulfilled you in the, when you had to change? That's a great question. Actually, Rachel, I, it's interesting. I think that I'm lucky that I began in dance. I feel that the discipline uh, of 
what I had to do to be able to dance at the level I did has definitely helped me with an approach to acting. Um, I do miss it. I, I probably have slightly rose tinted glasses on mm-hmm. when I look back and think, oh, I do miss that live performance. The performances that you come off and really have sweated, you, you just know that it's been a good night. You know that the audience have met you halfway. You know that you're in tune with the conductor and the orchestra were on point and your partners looked fantastic. And there's a lot of sort of, interaction performance wise that uh, that I do miss I I have come close to it with plays with doing Shakespeare Um, but I think I think live performance is something unique in itself I think that the work that I've been lucky to do and I still pursue in tv and film is a different sort of fulfillment I I do love it Um, and I think I'm lucky that I switch between everything just enough to keep me kind of occupied and uh, present and sort of craving each, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So we're a big fan of the Step Up movies here on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. You got to be in the second one. I did. And, Step and Up the, to the streets. <laughs> that's right. And the choreography is so outstanding in those films. Uh, what, yeah. what was that like? Jamal, um, uh, that was fun. It was weird. It was the, it, because I was playing a, a, a character which originally was not the character it ended up to be. There was oh. a little bit of a backstory. It's interesting. I'd met the director, John Chu, before at Paramount because he had been wanting to do a different project. And I went in and I met him and a group of executives at Paramount at the time and I really loved him he seemed like this you know young very smart kid with a great knowledge of story and dance and entertainment and um and then when he was casting for Step Up um he called me in and I think I put I was taped from the UK and originally it was to play a choreographer so it wasn't the sort of head of the school which I think had been played by Rachel Griffiths I think in the first one who did a brilliant job and then they sort of amalgamated this sort of young choreographer into also being the brother of Robert Hoffman's character and also running the school. So it was sort of, it, it sort of ended up not being exactly what I signed on for. Um, and it's weird. I found myself as one of the oldest people on set, which hadn't happened to me up until that point. Right. And I was surrounded by this sort of 18 year old, very hip, cool, diverse group of kids coming from different backgrounds and funk and street dance and break dance and hip hop and all these bizarre kind of names I'd never even heard of. Um, And they were an inspiration, but I did feel somewhat like an outsider, um, which I think kind of worked for the character anyway, because he was a little bit sort of catching up with what was cool Uh and was a bit of the one trying to, bring particularly Brianna's character into, you know, sticking to tradition and classical ballet and trying to keep her on the straight and narrow. And all the kids wanted to do was literally go to the streets and dance. So, um, but it was, it was a very much an eye opening experience. We shot in Baltimore, which was also very interesting. Yeah. And I had a chance to travel there for the first time as well. Cool. That's great. But I love John Chu. I think he's what he's achieved uh, kind of since then has been phenomenal. Yeah. 
yeah, we're really excited for In the Heights next year. And of course, it got delayed, but yeah. Cool. Uh, so when you got the role in Rain, um, did you end up, uh, did you have to move to the to Canada? Wasn't that filmed in Canada, that show? Yes. Yes, it was. You're absolutely right. Rain, um, I had a wonderful time on Rain. It, it was the first sort of time that I had to really sink my teeth into it, like a proper regular character. I did 16 episodes in season four yes that was shot in toronto um and i i had to pretty much relocate that was the longest time i spent away from my family as well that was back in 2016 if i remember correctly um i moved out there around this time of year i think it was june sort of um may june time in toronto and toronto is beautiful at that time of year it's wonderful it's warm and there's an island um so my kids were able to come out. I was able to put them into a uh, sailing camp uh, and we were able to do a lot of outdoor activities. Um, but I really did enjoy rain. And um, there was a group of writers on that show that I had worked with before. So I'd shot a couple of pilots for uh, a couple of networks, CBS and two of the writers had done um uh, had done uh, 90210, the uh, remake, and had written right. a character for me in that. And so what I felt very supported by four of the uh, writers in the writing room specifically knew what I was capable of. And I felt that I was being handed sort of really challenging and new work every episode. And those scripts came in late. We literally had the scripts in, I would say, a day before the table read of the next episode, which was crazy. Um, but it kept me on my toes and I learned so much being given that kind of opportunity to play such a, a, a sort of complex historical character. That's cool. That sounds great. Uh, so did they find you uh, for a Royal Matchmaker or... Did, uh, did you hear about it or how did that end up happening? Royal Matchmaker um, came about, I, I went in for a casting with uh, Caroline, Caroline Maliod, um here in London, um, read for the role, um, pretty much the traditional way of going in for an audition. Um, and then I think my manager at the time was talking to Hallmark about a different project I'd been approached. Um, it was something which happens a lot, which is where another actor has been uh, cast but might have conflicting dates. So they immediately go and see who else is available just in case he can't do the job. Um, so mm -hmm. we've been talking to Hallmark anyway. Um, and then Royal Matchmaker came up um, and it was after I just finished Rain and it was a wonderful opportunity to go back to Romania, which I had been uh, for Scorpion King 4 with Victor Webster, who is another Hallmark oh, okay. uh, regular. And I've actually worked with Victor a couple of times. Um, he did a spot on Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce as well, oh, which okay. I did for uh, Bravo. Um, so that, yeah, that's how Royal Matchmaker landed in my lap. Um, and I was in Romania. Uh, I met uh, Joy Lenz uh, on the plane over, actually. It was actually quite funny. Um, and I had a great time with her on that um, mm -hmm. in Romania, which is a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, 
because I, I wondered because uh, 2018 was like the year of of recruiting rain cast members for hallmark movies there mm. was there was Ad- Ad- right. adelaide kane did one torrence coombs torrence, did one yep. you jonathan, jonathan did yep one. And Rachel, Rachel Skarsgård's yeah, also right. done a couple since. Big fans. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Hallmark are very good. They have a wonderful stable of actors. I think um, mm-hmm. a great group of talent, which is which is very much utilised, um, and you do feel part of a family. Um, yeah. uh, so, which I'm always grateful to be a part of. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought the role in Royal Matchmaker, even though he is uh, a uh, prince, uh, he was kind of, there was a little bit of a nerdiness, I think, about him, a little bit, a little bit awkwardness about him that I liked. I, I think it was a uh, fun character. And I think you guys had pretty good chemistry, you and Joy. So, uh, you know, there were a lot of royal movies that, that year <laughs> because of the royal wedding. Um but uh, but I think it was a fun one. I think people really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I think you're probably right. A lot of script changes on that happened very early on, and I oh, think it, um, which which sort of adds a certain amount of tension, of course, but it also adds a certain spontaneity, actually. And I think that, uh, without speaking on her behalf, I think that. Bethany Joy Lenz worked very hard in sort of engineering her character and and wanting. Uh, she was very passionate and very um, very prominent in in speaking up about changes she wanted to make, which uh, very often brought a very sort of unpredictability into genuinely what we were going to film that day, and also oh, wow. into her character so I think that it gave me an opportunity to lean into not knowing what was going to be thrown at me by this woman from New York who thinks she can find me the perfect bride it was it was it was definitely perplexing and I think that that was fun to play into as well so possibly Mm -hmm. that's possibly the slightly uh, nerdy side of uh, of Sebastian that comes out is the sort of who is this woman who thinks that she's she's capable of finding me a bride this is you know preposterous mm-hmm. yeah I think it could be one that I could they could do a sequel for it'd be interesting to see her trying to navigate royal life you know kind of thing absolutely and it's it's definitely an idea that I've heard been talked about and I think I think there's a lot of parties that that would be very keen to see that yeah yeah myself being one of them yeah so watch this space <laughs> but it was it, yeah it, that again was a great chance i mean the cast was great uh it was great to meet and work with simon dutton who is a great name here in the uk he took over from roger moore on the saint uh so okay for him to play my father was great i had a great time with him and mm-hmm. Joseph Thompson, of course, Brittany Bristow, who lights up every room she walks into, and yeah. a great cast of people that really banded together. And um, it would be wonderful to get everyone back in again for yeah. another one. I'd yeah, definitely be down for that. You worked with Brittany in in Love, Romance, and Chocolates, also. That's a nice segue. I see yeah. what you did there, Rachel. <laughs> Very good. Yes, Brittany. Brittany, um, I loved a bit. I, I'm very often her younger brother 
by nature and somewhat of a mentor. That's probably not quite true. Not really like a mentor, but kind of like an older brother or a younger brother, because often yeah. I will tease her and then often we'll have very <laughs> in-depth conversations about love life and life yeah. and politics and all sorts of things. Yeah. But she's a wonderful, wonderful lady. Um, yeah. And yes, once again, in love, romance and chocolate, um, uh, which I guess we're going to segue to. Yes. We? Yeah. We, we, we do love Brittany on the podcast. We've had her yeah. on a couple of times and we just love her. And, uh, but I really enjoyed I, love romance and chocolates. I thought it, uh, it had enough sort of, uh, uh, you got to get enough of a feeling of Bruges, which is a place I've never been to or really heard much about, which was fun. Uh, and I thought that, you and Lacey had a nice chemistry and I liked sort of it got into a little bit of campiness I thought with the with the love triangle between you and that other chocolatier which and I loved the scene when you uh were you're kind of uh uh you were kind of upset and you've got like the flowers and you're like putting them down and you're like you're getting all jealous and i i wish that the hallmark movies had a little bit more of that like we're a little bit more campy a little more silly sometimes um and so i thought that it had all those things that i liked and just you being super jealous i enjoyed that that was fun that is interesting yeah no that was that was a lot of fun and i i think that's one of the keys and um, to, to speak very honestly and candidly mm-hmm. there is there is a challenge because you go into these they make what 109 119 films a year now yeah. i mean a lot yeah. and yeah. there is and then there is a charm to them that people like because they sort of know what they're going to get and i think you've heard a lot of actors who um have been lucky enough to work with hallmark a lot there's there's always the challenge of how do we make this one the same familiar but yet with a unique voice to do something what can I bring to this and I always look to do that with everything but I think particularly with material where sometimes uh, due to no fault of their own they can be somewhat interchangeable which I think is part of their charm um but i do appreciate you saying that and i think that that i think that that's what's um that's what the task is a lot with these is sort of how can we inject a different feel if it's a bit of extra comedy or if it's a bit of um yeah so whatever it is but 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 to try to make it somewhat different to the others and i think that bruges and and uh particularly bruges but also the, the locations in Belgium really helped because I feel that uh, what Jonathan Wright, the director, did beautifully was he created an atmosphere around us that almost became another character. Right. So yeah. the, the audience really felt like, oh, I mean, the people that I hear from on Twitter or on Instagram are like, oh, I have to go there. I really want to see that. I really want to be there. And I think that uh, this is a testament to Jonathan Wright and the producers of that. So they really uh, encouraged us to soak in and to live in the locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you could feel that. And there were some uh, just nice scenes that uh, allowed the allowed you and Lacey to just sort of relax and like not the plot just kind of stopped for a little bit, and you just enjoyed being on a boat in Bruges. And I I I like that. I think that sometimes we we because they are so short and 
there's so much to pack in they sometimes you don't get those sort of soft romantic sort of moments that they they did well in that and or even just the scenes with you guys uh i, I we were joking we covered on the podcast so you've never seen so much sexy chocolate tempering in our lives as there was in that movie absolutely uh, yeah. the, the, the chocolate was definitely another character yeah that was that sort of brought in yeah so many people again commented of like oh my god now i have to go and eat chocolate oh my god i have to go to Bruges to have the chocolate and in fact yeah. we did eat a lot of chocolate which I'm yeah sure i wondered about that heard about from uh lacy particularly actually i have to be honest with you lacy and Brittany were when i knew they were involved um i'd worked with uh, Lacey before as well a long time ago oh um, and so having those two by my side I felt that I could only ever have a good time it yeah. was I felt and in fact we had a little bit of too much of a good time I've got to be honest we did get stupidly giggly at a number of occasions um, uh, which could not be helped um, and slightly yeah. childish I think but yeah. um, to have those two and particularly Lacey for me embodies a lot of what I think Hallmark is. I think she just genuinely, it was very easy just to watch her and to, to really uh, get caught up in her. She's, she's a wonderful actress, um, but I think she has a real sensibility about her, which is very akin to all the Hallmark um, sort of branding and and yeah. and but, but she's incredible. She's just a genuinely warm, lovely, intelligent person, and so I felt very safe. Um, well, that's what we like to hear about our queens of Hallmark because she's absolutely. definitely one of them. <laughs> she definitely is. Yeah, yeah. They. It was kind of fun too to see the wacky flavor combinations they came up with for the chocolate in the movie yeah like wasn't there like was, kiwi or something like that there was there was there was sort of what was yeah oh gosh what was because that was that was sort of her character bringing in her sort of wacky <laughs> creations once again into luke simon who comes from a you know a long line of chocolatiers who's very much no is sort of uh, stuck in his way yeah. to make the ultimate chocolate and what was wonderful what the producers were again fantastic and um this was uh, produced by uh, Leif Bristow, um, who's Britney's father. Um, right. And he was very gracious in allowing and in indulging me. I was shooting in Atlanta. I was shooting an episode of the Doom Patrol. Um, and I okay. was in talks with uh, Leif to try and get this to work because I was very keen to be a part of it. And originally the dates clashed. But because of the Thanksgiving in... Um, uh, in, uh, I guess, Atlanta in the US, I was able to tr fly during a four day break in production on Doom Patrol to do prep and wardrobe uh, in uh, Brussels. And during that time, I said I would love to do a chocolate making workshop. During the research that I'd done, I found out that they, they, they that it was possible to go into these chocolate houses and take part in in learning the tempering, in learning how to make chocolate, and I found it invaluable. So all the chocolate sort of tempering and all the techniques you see is me, because I was able to to learn, and that was fascinating. And talk yeah. about different types of chocolate. I mean, you can get curry flavored chocolate. There's there's I mean there's it's endless. It, it, the possibilities. 
in Belgium, chocolatiering are, are endless. It's wonderful. Was your family super jealous? You're like, hey, I'm um, just learning how to make chocolate in my job. <laughs> they actually, what was wonderful, what I do love about all this traveling is that I always try to find a way to fly my family out. And they came out to Bruges for the weekend. And we found these wonderful waffles on a stick dipped in chocolate. Mm. And then you're able to create your own toppings. And I mean, oh, talk about heaven. And it was shot at Christmas time. So the Christmas markets were everywhere. So it really was a kid in a candy store sort of for the whole time there. So we had a wonderful time on the boat trips in Bruges and going through the markets and eating chocolate, drinking hot chocolate, oh having waffles. It, it really was like a step back in time. Yeah. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I highly recommend it to all the people listening. That sounds amazing. Uh, I've got to schedule my trip to Bruges once this is all mm. over. That sounds great. Well, really cool. I I enjoyed the film, and so I like I said I, I particularly liked that love triangle element. I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. So, uh, and uh, and you know that he's making like suspect chocolates, like with these modern chocolates. <laughs> Absolutely. What was what was very interesting. Uh, so the actor Guillaume Dolmans, I think his last name is. So it's, so he's also called William. So we both have the same name. It's quite funny. Um, but originally it was going to be, he was going to be my brother. And it, it was a competition between brothers, which oh, I found really? very interesting. Um, but it's interesting how these sort of little things in scripts begin one way and then they change. Um, right. But he's a great actor. And I think that it sort of gave, it gave Luke to my character a sort of, you need to have an opposition. You need conflict. to have some conflict and drama. And I think that, that for Luke, it's about saving his family's uh, reputation and also just the business. If he doesn't kind of change it, then he's potentially going to lose the family business. So he's right. in this point of, so to have this sort of adversary in um, Max was perfect. And it actually works better if he's not within the family because it's then, Luke saving his family against uh, Max's, the Van Der, sorry, the Van Dender, I think it was, yeah. Chocolatier. Well, so that's another one we should do again. We should do love, romance, and more chocolate. Yes. <laughs> I think so. What do you think, I, Rachel? Do you think I it's think, a good idea? I think so. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. I think I watch, I watch more, more chocolate. What if we did a holiday version? Love, so romance what, and, love romance and chocolate at Christmas. At Christmas. <laughs> at Christmas. <laughs> I think it would be great. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Love winter wedding. Romance. I mean, come on. Christmas and chocolate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Love romance, yeah. chocolate, and a Christmas wedding. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Christmas ho 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 chocolate in Bruges. Yeah, I don't ho, know. Ho, ho, I've eat, <laughs> ho ho ho, I've eaten too much chocolate. <laughs> Uh, but uh, this interview is going to air in when uh, we're covering Christmas in July. Uh, so it'll air in July. So I I have uh, some fun holiday questions to end the interview off with. So okay, here we go. So getting holiday, your Christmas okay, Christmas holiday Christmas spirit right Christmas spirit in, okay. 
in so, July. I'll in try July. my best. It's the <laughs> it's the hottest day of the year here in the right. UK. I'm just going to tell you that. It was yeah. announced today. I had a news alert. It's the hottest day of the year so far. And it's it's five days before my birthday. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, so right. this is recorded June 24th, if people are wondering. Uh, but first question, what is your favorite holiday drink? Oh, holiday drink? Like um, cocoa or, or, or hot cider? Yeah, uh, or, very, yeah. Do you or know stronger? What? <laughs> we make a great mulled cider. That's always a really sort of Christmassy drink. Uh-huh. So it's, 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 it's a spin on a mulled wine. It's not too strong. Is warming. It has mm-hmm. lots of uh, cinnamon in it and flavoring, and I'm a big fan of it. Very cool. All right. What is your favorite holiday cookie or treat? Hot like Christmas cookie or treat. Do you know what? I love, and I always put it on my Christmas list, a chocolate orange. There's a Terry's oh, yeah. chocolate orange here in the uk i don't know if you can get them yeah. in the us they you smack but them. they are my favorite that's exactly yeah, you yeah. exactly i'm glad you said that i'm very excited you hit you you have to get it just right and you give them a good whack right on the top and they break out into pieces yeah yeah you know exactly what i'm talking about that's right um all right what is your favorite christmas song or carol um we have a habit here around the kitchen island to play music very loudly and to dance around stupidly. And I think rocking around the Christmas tree is an absolute, it's not a traditional one perhaps, but it's, it's one that gets yeah. us. Yeah, and I do remember fun. the kids jumping around a uh, Christmas tree on the streets of Brussels to rocking around the Christmas tree. So there you yeah. go. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite classic Christmas movie? Oh, that's a, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, that's a very good question. I probably don't. Uh, hmm. Anything that evokes the Christmas spirit. We yeah. have a thing here, and I and I uh, and I keep this going. I say to the kids, I say, I say every year, just tell me when you think you can feel the Christmas spirit. Now that might sound a little bit wacky. I'm not religious per se. I I Uh consider myself very spiritual, but there is something, whether it's you walk down the streets and you see the lights or you hear the music or it's the first time you hear a carol and it's just being aware of the seasonal change and anything from watching a film, Beautiful Life or um, kind of anything that evokes that little, it's a little bit of melancholy, I think actually, Mm -hmm. but I call it, there it is. And I always try to yeah. point it out as like, ah, that's the Christmas spirit. Yeah. I mean, I think you can see that in Charlie Brown, that little bit of, uh, yes, no, yeah. you're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a very yeah. good one. Actually. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. Uh, so Scrooge or the Grinch, which one would you prefer? <sighs> Scrooge or the Grinch. It's funny. My son is still petrified of the Grinch. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> Scrooge is interesting, isn't it? To the original, to the Dickensian um, story is still, I think, relevant to past, present and future. And yeah, Scrooge. I love it because to me, well, really both stories are, but especially Christmas Carol is a story about no lost causes that anybody can turn their life around and be redeemed yeah that's what i love about this there's, there's still a chance there's still an opportunity for everyone to to yeah uh, yes, so clear lights are colored 
for Christmas? Yes, for Christmas. That's interesting. Uh, on our Christmas tree, it's clear lights. Okay. It's usually clear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather be in a snowball fight or build a snowman? Oh, uh, snowball fights are great fun. <laughs> okay. That was what was great in uh, Toronto in the, the last job that I did um, spinning out for Netflix was it was snowing so much. When the children came to join me, we just fell and rolled around down hills in snow and threw snow at each other. It was the best thing ever. Oh, that sounds fun. That sounds really fun. Yeah, spinning out. What's your role in that? I, I, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Mm, so it's it's a show um, about an ice skater played by uh, Kaya Scoloradio. And it's with January uh, Jones and... Uh, willow shields and i play uh, a coach i play oh. the coach uh, to willow's character who um sort of somewhat unwittingly gets involved with her family and ends up with january jones who plays her mother mm. but it's okay. a lot of fun it also addresses uh, mental illness and yeah. uh, the competitive nature of figure skating which is obviously right. i've heard it's pretty intense. a lot of drama yeah, yeah i was gonna say a lot of drama goes on there but that cool. was that Mm. all right uh almost done uh would you consider yourself a good gift wrapper or no um i yes i'm uh i'm not the best but i do enjoy it and i do get quite creative mm -hmm. cool good all right last question do you have an ugly christmas sweater is that a thing in england it has become more and more of a thing and last year i had i had uh the year before i made an effort um and i was told that it was bad because i wore the same one for three days and so the christmas just gone i think i had about five or six and i was told i was going overboard and that i was very silly yeah do you have what's your ugliest christmas sweater um what do I have? I have one with a Christmas tree with pom-poms on. I oh, nice. I tell you what I do have. I have the green one, which makes me look as if I'm an elf with like the stripy belt and yeah. uh, uh, the red hood. That's pretty ridiculous. Nice. <laughs> and then I think I have a Star Wars one and uh, I have like a traditional reindeer one, which looks sort of Scandinavian, which is nice. one I can probably yeah, wear to the pub and, not draw too much attention <laughs> well very good you pass the test you can keep making oh, hallmark wonderful. movies <laughs> yes please let them know i'm available will you yeah well we will yeah. uh so yeah. this was a lot of fun thank you so much for coming on and talking with us uh we we really appreciate it i know the uh the hallmarkies will be super excited and and uh do you want to share your social media or that you have absolutely rachel it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you and i appreciate all the support from the hallmarkies and you can find me at i am will kemp on twitter and on instagram and i'd love to hear from everybody and um i wish you all a wonderful uh rest of the year and all the best at this particular unprecedented time of the year um yeah. and send my love to everyone and it really has been a pleasure to talk to you rachel thank you yeah thank you and and yeah same to you and your family and uh hopefully we can have you back uh once maybe once it gets closer to the christmas or or whatever absolutely so when great. i have another hallmark movie to talk to you about please let me know and it would be my pleasure yeah that'd be great well thanks again and make sure you're if you're listening make sure you're following will 
all on his social media and let us know what you think about all the things we talked about. We would love to hear your thoughts and, uh, and thanks again. And we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you all later. Bye everyone. Thank you everyone. Bye-bye.